Warning, the following episode contains some audio challenges in the recording. Some of the comments may or may not be misheard by a flea. You're listening to the Oz TV Podcast, only on the Oz Network. Hello everybody and welcome back to the Oz Network for our... I don't know, I used to say continued coverage, but I'm not usually hosting Christmas things, but we're here for Christmas movies. My pick, obviously, because I'm talking. Uh, except we're not doing the backwards thing where I host your movies and you host mine. I guess you didn't feel like doing that. Um, anyway, we're here to talk about Olive, the other reindeer, the 1999 classic that Colin was so excited to talk about. Uh, he's dying to talk about a certain character. I don't know who it is, yeah. but I'm sure we'll find out when we get into it. I think I have a hint who it is, but we'll see. Uh yeah, we're just here to talk about this great movie, which I think was a book before, but you'll probably be able to tell me more about that, because I'm sure you looked it up. I didn't. Um, I, I did look yeah. it up, and if you hear typing right now, it has nothing to do with the book. <laughs> okay, well, Colin is not looking at a book on the internet. I will say, my name is Rossi, and uh, I'll root for you on Court TV, too. And my name is Round John Virgin. <laughs> Um, what'd you think? What did I think? Um, you know, this is... Where does it stack in Halloween Town, Twitches, uh, Scary Godmother? Where does this rank? I think this is right around the Scary Godmother level. It's, um, I mean, we'll, we'll get to full opinion on the end, but it, it's not what I expected. I, I'd heard of this before. You know, the, the title is very clever. I think, I, having never seen this, I remember maybe around the time it came out or maybe just a little bit after seeing all of the other reindeer and kind of just getting a chuckle out of that, you know? Uh, but I don't think that this is something that's frequently on TV. So I've never really even had an opportunity to watch it until you said you wanted to cover it. And I found that it was on YouTube. So if uh, anybody's listening to this and thinks I'm never going to be able to see all of the other reindeer, just look on YouTube. Uh, but uh, what I didn't know about this was the, um, the, the Matt Groening connection. <laughs> Simpsons and Futurama creator. He's one of the executive producers on this. Uh, and the, I, the creative team behind this, you know, the, both writer and director and a lot of the vocal cast, vocal cast, because that's what they call them now, the vocal cast. Uh, <laughs> they uh, also come from, uh, you know, Futurama and uh, Simpsons. And I could see a lot of similarities with the humor in this. This is definitely more geared towards kids, but I think it has enough of that, like, Matt Groening style humor that it would be enjoyable for adults. I mean, I, I got more of a kick out of this than I thought it was going to. And uh, I have not given you a clue yet as to which character I love. Uh, I made sure my profile pick did not do that. But there's one that you're probably going to be scratching your head. Why is this your favorite character? But maybe you won't. I don't know. Maybe I'm not giving you enough credit. I um, was surprised at how much it more related to uh, the Scary Godmother movie that we had watched uh, than I remembered. In the sense of that sort of witty dialogue, there were so many quotes. Uh, I just was surprised that there was that much to it. Uh, and yeah, obviously the Matt connection, the macaroni connection, I, I didn't even know going into this. Uh, and, I, and obviously, you know, you talk about it and I see, you know, pulls and, and references, not to the to obviously the creations that he will make or has made, but like just that style, you can see it. And, and it's got like a fun energy to it. I think that it's... Um, I think it's a fun movie. And like you said, it's not the most talked about. I like to pull these uh, random movies that you're like, what, that movie? I've never heard of it. Well, had you seen this before, though? I have seen it, but like, 
this may be the least remembered out of all the movies that I say, um, you know, Twitches and, and all the other movies that I've suggested. Like, this I remember the least about. Obviously, I remember the plot. And, and you can kind of guess the plot purely from the title <laughs> of the movie. Um, or at least maybe you maybe you could. I, I, I remember the plot very well. So, Are you a fan of The Simpsons or Futurama? I, I like them, but not as, like, a watcher. As sort of a, like, third-person perspective of, like, oh, that they're cool. Um, I can't tell you how many episodes of either I've seen less than 10 of each probably but but I appreciate them because um yeah you know when I watched the opening credits I saw Matt Granny's name on there you know he's an executive producer on this he didn't write anything you know uh he more or less just helped them bring this forward but uh the writer and the director both were involved in the Simpsons and any Simpsons fans out there um you know, would would probably know that the writer of this Steve Young only wrote one Simpsons episode ever he primarily was a writer for the David Letterman talk show, but the Simpsons episode he wrote is one of the best, Hurricane Nettie, uh, where a hurricane destroys Ned Flanders' house. That has one of my favorite Simpsons moments of all time, which Rossi probably won't get a laugh at this. Maybe he will, I don't know. Where Ned Flanders, who's like the town's nicest guy, is uh, having a nervous breakdown, and he, he will never say anything bad to anybody, and he just goes on this rant, one person after another, like, you know, oh, you're, you ugly, hate-filled man, you know, uh, you, you, you know, you, you're the town's answer to a question nobody asks him. Just saying terrible things to everybody. And then he goes up this one character, Lenny, who's just like a background character. And you, I don't know who you are, but I'm sure you're a jerk. And then Lenny's like, hey, I just got here. What's going on? It's just, I always love that one moment. Uh, the director of this, though, uh, the other Steve, Steve Moore, uh, he's directed tons of episodes from season six all the way up to present day. And actually was one of the directors of the, uh, the Simpsons movie, too. So obviously, I don't know. I don't know which way it went. Whether Matt Greening kind of got his hands on this and uh, decided to assign, you know, a writer and a director from his TV show, or if it was the other way around, you know, a writer and director from The Simpsons sort of said, "We've got this idea. We want to take this kids' book, all of the other reindeer," uh, which, of course, I researched. Uh, <laughs> the animation looks exactly like the, uh, the the illustrations in the book, like exactly like it. I, I don't think there is any difference. And we, we kind of talked about in Scary Godmother, the uh, the creator made this odd choice where they said, no, you know, you, you, you have to animate this computer generated because you can't do it in the style of my book because then it diminishes the impact of my book, which just seemed weird because the CG animation was probably the one thing that didn't work in that. But uh, this one, it looks very true to the, the illustrations from the original. I mean, better than the Scary Godmother Um <laughs> that we watched um i wasn't crazy about it i think it grew on me the more i watched it like the later the film uh it's different yeah. you, you don't see animation like this it has its own distinct personality you know and i don't think we'll ever see it again no <laughs> whether you like for good or for bad yeah 21 years later we haven't so let's get into the movie really simple plot the title all of the other reindeer a picture of I a dog got it I'll try and do it in less than 10 words. Let's see if I can do that. Um, dog listens to radio. <laughs> rushes to become reindeer. Saves Christmas. Save Christmas. There you go. That's actually very impressive. I, I thought that was totally a joke, but you, you went through with it. Uh <laughs> I was thinking as I was doing it, so it took a little... Did you want to buy this, bin it, or rent it? 
I don't know. What are you gonna do? I think I'll, I think I'll buy it. You know, we didn't even mention one of the most important things about this, which is that a major Hollywood superstar, especially in the year 1999, is not only one of the producers on this, but the voice of all of the other reindeer. I mean, this is, you know, probably, I'm not going to say the height of her popularity. I mean, she obviously was a big child star in the 80s, uh, but um, you know, right around this time, I think this is, you know, the wedding singer to Charlie's Angels, probably like the biggest two, three years that she had. Uh, and, and you can tell, I mean, it's her voice. It's very distinctive. Uh, she doesn't try to make a cartoon character out of this. But uh, I, that's one of the reasons I'm actually surprised that this wasn't as big of a deal as it was because you have the creator of The Simpsons involved in this. You have quite a few fairly notable actors and voice vocal performers uh, in it. And then you got Drew Barrymore leading it. And this, and this aired on the Fox Network, which is weird. It just sort of disappeared. But... Uh, yeah, anyways, back to the plot. What, what was that again? Let's run through that again. Dog listens to radio, uh, wants to become reindeer, save Christmas. Was that it? Something like that. That's exactly what it was. <laughs> if I had to add like two more or like three more words, it'd be attempted foil by mailman. Yeah, exactly. Which the mailman, another important one too. This is... Uh, the voice of Homer Simpson here, Dan Castellaneta. Uh, and um, again, you can totally tell it's him, uh, even though it's a completely different voice. But uh, did you recognize the voice at all? Did you say that almost sounds like Homer Simpson, even having seen less than 10 episodes? I didn't pick up. I knew Drew Barrymore, you know, not immediately, but like eventually I realized. Um, and who was the other? There was one other voice. I'll probably, I can, I can tell you, he was the camp counselor in the Adams Family movie. The camp counselor uh, in Adam. Which Adams Family is that? The one where they go to the summer camp. Oh, that's Adams Family, family Values. Uh, yeah, I'll have to look this up. You continue along with your ten-word plot and <laughs> recap, and I'll look it up. I don't know. I just remember him. Like I, I just remember looking up, and I was like, "Oh, I know that voice." And then I realized, "Oh, that voice tracks." Um, it's like Peter makes some. Peter, oh, Peter McNichol. Yeah. 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 Also, uh, one of the villains in Ghostbusters Two, um, uh, he was probably the the best character on the uh, season six of Twenty Four. He was on a TV show I love called Numbers. Yeah, I love that actor. Jay Moore. I don't know if you're familiar with Jay Moore. He's in this as well. Used to be on Saturday Night Live. Jay Moore. Great. You would recognize him if you saw him. There, there's one that you're leaving out, which is which. I'll, I'll wait till we get in the movie. But uh, one of it we're leaving out that I'm very excited about. All right, <laughs> back to the ten plot. You're killing me. I have no idea. <laughs> Who is this? Who? Oh, you're not going to tell me. Nope. All right. All right, where were we? Um... Dog <laughs> listens to radio. Okay. I mean, the best character is arguably Martini, right? Oh, yeah. Hands down. And Joe Pantoliano does the voice. Again, this is the same year that he was the villain, I guess, one of the villains in The Matrix. I mean, he's been in The Goonies, been in so many. It's crazy. You look at this cast. They could sell a movie like this now. So why was this such a, you know, under the radar movie? But yes, Martini, best one in the movie. Yeah, I love like the beginning where he's like selling uh, Frank Rolexes, <laughs> like the line of like I didn't know Rolex was spelled with three X's <laughs> or something like that. Um, and then like I got high quality like postage from the zoo and like just everything about his character and what he does throughout the whole movie is just so great. Um, which is why I made it my little picture. And like, then like, 
you know, getting caught by the police. Like, are you selling fake watches again? And, and it's like, no, I'm selling it to my good friend Olive here. And just everything that Martini gets into is just a real great uh, thing. Um, and then the plot really kicks in when Olive gets back to her doghouse. Um, also, I remember Olive being a boy. I don't know if, like, where that got lost. But I swear Olive was a boy for, the, like, the whole thing. And then I watched the movie and I was like, wait, what? This is a girl? It's Booming a- masculine voice of Drew Barrymore. <laughs> well, just from my loose memory of it, I was like, oh, wait, what? I must be thinking of another character or something, but I swear it was a boy. Um, and then, yeah, so the plot really kicks in at the doghouse when Olive, you know, learns Tim is upset that Christmas isn't happening. And then we sort of get introduced to the flea who I don't even remember the name. Is it just flea? <laughs> Let's call it flea. All right. Fleece, you know, they put on the radio and I love the bit where they turn the radio to a different channel and it's like high frequency pitches. So only the dog can hear it, <laughs> which is a cover gag. Um, and then we hear the breaking press news that like Santa can't fly because Blitzen was in, injured in an accident. Um, so we need all of the other reindeer to come at once. Um, and then we get the joke that they replayed a lot, though, which I'm, I guess, fair enough, it's only 40 minutes of a movie. But they said it a few times where it's like, no, no, he said all mm-hmm. of. And she, and all is like, no, he said all of, like me. And it's, they said that too many times. That was like the one critique I'll have for the movie is like that was overdone a little bit. Like, I feel like it's in the title. You don't need to say it 10 times as the joke. Well, yeah, movie. I mean, like I you know? said, I, I had very little familiarity having never seen this and it doesn't really air now, but I knew that title, all of the other reindeer, you know, uh, as soon as you hear that title, you get the joke. So it probably doesn't need to be spelled out. They did it several times. I was like, I guess for kids, it's fine for the kids. And then the last, I'll sort of wrap up the very early plot before they leave to go to the North pole. Um, when Tim tries to apologize for being a little rude and Olive can't hear. And so the flea is (laughs) interpreting and it's like, I hate you. I'm getting a new dog. Um, like this is so I, I couldn't write down all the lines, but there were so many funny lines. Like I'm massaging a French, whatever it was. I can't remember what the last one is, what the misinterpretation was. Cause the fleas just mishearing everything, but it was like, and I shook a trout fondue. Yeah. That was like... <laughs> so it was like at first funny, because, like it was really funny. Cause at first it's like, Oh, it's like a classic, you know, um, miscommunication thing. And then it's getting worse and worse as it goes on. Like the trout fondue and I'm getting a new dog and I Christmas is like all this stuff. It just got worse and worse as it went on. And that was, it was really funny. Um, Another side note, I totally forgot that there were songs in this movie. Um, That threw me off. I don't know if you were expecting a musical. Nope. (laughs) Well, it was. Um, To be fair, I skipped past the songs because I didn't need to hear them. Oh, (laughs) We're going to have issues later. <laughs> You're going to have to fill me in on what I missed. <laughs> yeah, and so Olive leaves to go uh, to the North Pole. You know, she gets to the train station, and I love the thing when the police officer there is, like, riding or chasing. Uh, and obviously chasing. Oh, we ran into the mailman earlier at this point. I forgot to mention. The villain. Who hates Christmas. Um, I feel like that's a classic thing. There's always a character who's bah humbugged Christmas, mm-hmm. and that's this mailman. Um, 
we get his song. What was his song about? I don't remember. <laughs> nope, I can't even find it here. There's only one song I want to talk about. Uh, okay. All right, so they sing a song. They leave. They ride on the, the bus. You know, um, we learn more information. I, the bus ride was really nothing interesting to happen except for the line of the bus driver saying, I used to think the Pledge of Allegiance was about me, Richard Stans. Which <laughs> yeah. is a funny American joke. Um, I was a little worried if you would understand it. Um, but I think you did. And then they get to the diner where the mailman is Flo the waitress. Um, and they have some unusual... Um, items on the menu like deep fried candy canes like the reindeer stew or something like that and then the, the fish platter the one dead fish platter or something a lot of clever funny lines in here um, and did you catch the Star Trek characters in the background of the I diner? Didn't. I didn't. I read about it afterwards <laughs> and had to go back to look but yeah the, there's several characters from Star Trek that are just sitting in the diner I had to do- double take. I was like, what am I watching? It's like, did I click on the wrong video? <laughs> and, I, and I was like, no, that's characters. I didn't even, I don't even know the show that well, but I know that, that was like, like Spock or whoever was in the background. I was just like, Kirk Spock most- and McCoy. Yeah. Is it timely in 1999? Probably not. Uh, <laughs> I'm guessing that's just, you know, the writer, or the director, or somebody, just wanted to throw a Star Trek reference in there. It's not even the right network, too. Like this is on Fox. Yeah, that that threw me. Um, okay, so Flo, the mailman, catches Olive because they say that there's a test flight in the backyard of the diner. Um, but then Olive gets caught by the mailman. But thankfully, there's a present that's gifted to Olive from Deus Ex Machina, <laughs> um, and Olive is able to escape the truck. They. She makes it back to the diner. They make it to a bar. Uh, and this is probably the song you're talking yeah. about, I'm guessing. To take it away. Okay, so I actually missed the song the first time around, too, because I had a couple of screaming babies. And uh, here's the character I'm excited about. It's not even for the character. It's for the actor. Uh, are you familiar with the band R.E.M.? By name only. By name only. Okay, so I'm, I'm hoping you at least... Are familiar with the song "Losing My Religion," which is probably the most famous, or uh, "Man on the Moon." Heard of? Oh. I don't know if I've heard. I, I am going to get you to cover the discography of REM with me. REM—they're not my very favorite band, but they'd be my top two, top three favorite bands of all time. Like I absolutely worship everything REM. Know every single one of their songs from every single one of their albums, including like B-sides and rarities and stuff like that. Michael Stipe, the singer of REM is the um, reindeer here uh, who sings the song in the diner. And even crazier than that, he's one of the producers on this, not executive producers. He's one of the producers of this special. So for whatever reason, the singer of R.E.M. said, I want to produce an animated special of all of the other reindeer, and I'm going to put myself in there singing a song. Now, I missed the song. I knew kind of reading the cast before we, uh, before I watched this, that Michael Sipe had a role, and I was expecting it'd be like, you know, a short cameo or something. I mean, this is one of the big roles of this section of the movie. And because I had Scream Babies, I couldn't tell it was him. So it was after it was over, I had to go back and say, who did Michael Stipe play? And I'm like, oh, what do you want to bet he was singing a song in there? So I went back and I heard the song. So 
Uh, I want to unofficially put this on R.E.M.'s Greatest Hits album, because it is a great song. Love Michael Sipe, love R.E.M. Too bad they're not together anymore. Uh, which character was he? The reindeer who sings the song. Okay. I, I I didn't remember if the the guy who gets the drill at the end of the movie was the, the same person. <laughs> yeah, what's the character's who name here? Was... I'll find it. Uh, Schnitzel. Yeah, Blitzen's cousin. <laughs> great name. Uh, so the, the the guy who's not schnitzel agrees to drive them to the North Pole, um, and in return, Martini gives him stationery from the zoo, um, and he's so grateful for it. Uh, then, did you catch? I'm sure you probably didn't, but as they were walking to the the stand, there was like as they were walking to the stand where that little elf was that wouldn't let them in there were like news people and there was one person who talked about like oh people are really worried about the y2k bug no <laughs> no completely sorry. missed that probably because of screaming babies yeah. there's a timely yeah. reference right i was like the most timely reference of the y2k um i just thought that was really funny and i and then i when i heard that i looked up at the youtube video i watched it i was like oh 1999 that makes sense I was like, please don't let this be like a 2010 movie that just had a Y2K joke. Um, but then they get to the thing, the elf won't let them in. So then Martini devises a thing, giving a gift to the elf, but then it's broken, so he's got to come fix it. And then he's like, in order to fix it, you've got to turn off the fence security system. So then Olive sneaks in. They have a chat with Santa. Somehow Olive gets to be on the flight. Um, somehow is flying. I don't know if it's really flying or just being dragged by the other it's people. It's unclear, yeah. Um, but sort of air quotes flying. Uh, the mailman catches Martini and has taken the gifts in the same process. Um, they realize when they get to the house that they don't have the things. That you know, They track down the mailman. They knock him off, his, off the road. They save Martini. Uh, and I love the line where, because Martini can't come on because he's a, a hitchhiker. Um, and Olive is like, what are you going to do in the meantime? And he's like, oh, I'll do a little loan sharking. You know, I'll make do. <laughs> uh, anyway, they get there. They save Christmas. Um, I love the last house that they go to is the ZYYXZ house or yeah. something like that. Uh, I just thought that was a funny joke. Uh, they save Christmas. They go back and they ha- sort of have all the gifts. You know, uh, the mailman's a penguin at the zoo. <laughs> Martini becomes a mailman. <laughs> And yeah, that's the end. Is the movie's over. Schnitzel gets the football. It gets popped by a hole. Uh, all's well that ends well. Like this is very clever. Not for the story, like you said, story summed up in ten words. Uh, but just the way the dialogue is like, I, I, I don't know. Maybe I'll, I'll get the book for the kids to read or something. But uh, the special, I actually feel like, is probably more made for adults because, like, even the the opening sequence with uh, the owner and, and just the idea of a dog that doesn't act like a dog. That kind of gets lost in the movie, though, as a joke. I think you get it right away, but then the more that you see that every animal in this movie lives like a person, including you know animals that are waiters and waitresses and everything, you don't really get the big deal about the owner saying, why don't you act more like a dog? You know, there was a, a good line in there where he said something like, you know, I, uh, I haven't heard any senseless barking from you either lately. And it all is just like, woof? Like with a question mark, uh, but the idea of this dog acts too much like a person to be a dog 
it's good if you haven't seen the other animals yet. Uh, it's just the longer it goes on, you, you pretty much forget about it too. I think even the movie forgets about it. They just, oh yeah, this I mean, is why he was going away, you know? Or she. I called it a he. I mean, the basis for Martini's character is literally going around selling things that have a briefcase. Yeah, a penguin like, that's not a normal penguin. Goods, yeah. Yeah. Like, so no animal acts like any animal in this movie. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, in the opening scene, you get it, because Olive's the only one you see, I guess. Uh, well, yeah, it does, it just, it's just like a, if, a thing to set up the, all of the other ring. Yeah. Uh, but they never go through with it, yeah. yeah the, uh, the flea's a pretty good character, too. Um, I still have yet to see it. Uh, great Peter McNichol. Fido. Uh, but uh, but the, the misunderstanding is probably the funniest part of the movie, because it goes on for quite a while, and it's like every time the owner says something like, you know, oh, uh, I didn't mean to, you know, uh, uh, to make you feel bad, Olive, and then he's translating it terribly, and it basically results in, you know, I'm ashamed of you, and uh, I'm going to replace you with another dog. The flea just misunderstanding everything. It's a nice little thing for the plot, but it's also, it's got some really funny lines in there. Uh, I do lose this movie a little bit between the multiple sequences like the train uh station stuff is good especially escaping from the mailman the mailman is great in this movie too like another hilarious character uh hates christmas for no reason uh i don't think you mentioned that he is carrying letters to santa which is basically he wrote them himself all saying like santa i hate you you're fat and nobody likes you like just all these critical letters to santa because he wants to convince santa to cancel christmas it's kind of a funny idea uh, but uh, a lot of the sequences kind of run together in the middle of this here, uh, which I think we have the same problem with Scary uh, Godmother too. That after a while, it's just sort of like, oh, another thing happens at the house, and another thing happens at the house. Uh, this is like train station, on the bus, in the diner, you know, in, in Schnitzel's dive or whatever, and it just sort of feels like after a while, it's the same scene played out with different characters. But Michael Stipe gets to sing the unofficial R.E.M. theme song for all of the other reindeer. Uh, so I'm okay with that. Um, the, uh, uh, the the thing with Martini um, not wanting to pay for the ticket, <laughs> that's great too. Uh, oh, sure, I'll come with you, Olive. Will you pay for my ticket, though? <laughs> like, Martini is such a great character. Like, I would be all for the Martini spinoff, Martini Saves Christmas or something. Uh, the fight scene, there's, there's a couple little good visual gags, too where they're escaping from the mailman. I don't know if you call it a fight scene. But the fact that they take him out with a paper airplane to the ear, and that he sells it like he just got shot, <laughs> it's great too. Uh, they kind of slow it down. It's really funny. Um, there's there's really not much that happens at the end. Like I said, it's one sequence after the other, but it is all entertaining. Uh, the flying thing, I kind of had the same thought you did. Is this actually flying? What is the story's... You know, what, what is the story telling here? Is it that it's supposed to be Olive being dragged behind, but everybody's just so uplifted because Olive was willing to volunteer for this and risk her life, her, not his life? But uh, there are a couple moments, though, where it's like, okay, Olive's clearly being dragged underneath all of them, and they're like, look, Olive, you're flying, but then they'll show it where Olive's like, the, the leash or whatever it is isn't, like, completely tight. So maybe Olive does fly in this movie, it's just, it's not flying enough to make it matter. I don't know, but I kind of like that they don't make it that obvious. Uh, and, and I almost think it's better if Olive just gets dragged and it's just, oh, the, the spirit of Olive wanting to save Christmas is what saves Christmas. Uh, but yeah, it's it, it's all good here. There, there's a couple of things that are pretty funny. Again, visual gags at the end after they're 
delivering or Santa's delivering. First of all, I love in all American movies, though, uh, Santa starts by delivering. It's the same thing in the Santa Claus with Tim Allen. Uh, the first presents he delivers are in America, where it's already a day after Christmas in most parts of the world. <laughs> this kind of makes me laugh because it's the same thing here. They start, uh, they'll follow them on the map, and they I think they finish in Australia as one of the last places. But it's like Australia would have had Christmas probably a day earlier at this point but you know kids movie nobody's gonna complain uh some of the little things they threw in like when they're in japan you see all these kaiju monsters like godzilla and mothra that are singing <laughs> and then uh i think when they go to the vatican you see the pope wearing a baseball hat i kind of like that too overall it's a fun it's a fun movie though i i, I think this is something that i don't know if you know casper is gonna get that big of a kick out of this because he pretty much just wants to watch the grinch and frosty the snowman and charlie brown christmas non-stop i think the grinch is on the ninth play just today alone but if i can get them to watch this i wouldn't be opposed to watching it again it's it's fun i agree but i don't know anything about casper's movie interests, so uh, i can't comment too much um, are you are you for the grinch and frosty the snowman they're fine they're fine i'm cool with them <laughs> I, I, I like Charlie Brown more. Oh, yeah. Me, me too, completely. Like, I, I even mentioned on our um, Great Pumpkin recap, like, I became a massive Charlie Brown fan as an adult before I even had children. Uh, but I think one of these days, if we continue on doing these animated specials, I think we originally were going to do more of these. Uh, I was debating about, not Charlie Brown, you know, uh, leave that for its own thing because they have so many Charlie Brown Christmas specials. But uh, I was debating about either The Grinch or Frosty the Snowman just because that's all I watch now. Uh, so maybe throwing in all of the other reindeer if I can get him into this, uh, it'll give me a little bit of a welcome break from Frosty and um, uh, The Grinch. Agreed. Um, I want to say one thing about the flying. I thought that it was a good... I, You know, I said it was weird. But I th- now that you think about it, it's not a bad... Uh, like middle ground. It's not like, wow, Olive is so useless that we're having to drag, you know, the dog here. Like, obviously, you're not meant to be a dog, but it's not like, oh my God, Olive, you're a ranger this whole time. Like, it's a good in the middle, you know, thing. And I, I don't mind that. And then when she, like, takes the, like, envelopes and then starts flapping with those, I thought that was a funny thing, like, extra power or something. Uh, all right. So. Um, plot keywords. We have four-word title. I'm sure we could get a good four-word title month out of that. Uh, all of the reindeer character. If I see more than one on here, uh, one, all of the other reindeer, but that is a plot keyword. <laughs> uh, surrealism month. Uh, flea month. We gotta do a flea month. Uh, we could be talking about A Bug's Life, Before Sunset, Isle of Dogs, or The City of Lost Children. Or Cujo. Cujo is apparently about fleas. Uh, that's pretty much the only one he has. Other things are predictable, like Penguin, North Pole, Surrealism, obviously. Uh, what is in Surrealism Month? Uh, Chaos Walking, The New Mutants. I actually kind of like The New Mutants. Tenet. I actually don't like Tenet. Uh, and Stranger Things. That's good. Yeah, those are our plot keywords. Uh, we don't have box office and critics reviews. Uh you know what we can do? I can look up uh, one of the 30 user reviews. It is weird that, again, a movie with like Drew Barrymore, a TV episode with Drew Barrymore and Jay Moore and creators of The Simpsons has only 30 people who have ever reviewed it on IMDb. That's, uh, that's kind of strange. But let's look at a one-star review here. Uh, there are none. 
two-star reviews, three-star reviews, four-star reviews. I'm trying to find any reviews on here. Uh, five-star reviews. This is how few... People go out there and watch all of the other reindeer and submit a review on IMDb and then reference that you were brought there by the Oz Network because I'm up to seven stars and this is the first time I found something. Uh, let's see. A seven-star review here. Christmas movies, what the world needs. Uh, with so much war and moral decay in the world at present time, Christmas has become my favorite time of year, not because it's a festive season and colorful, but because it's a time that represents innocence and goodness in people. We need Christmas all year round. It might make the world a better place. This is very long-winded. Uh, has nothing to do with the movie. All of the other reindeer is a few years old now. I only saw it recently, having heard many good things about it. It's a wonderful film. Suitable for the entire family. The story is simple, sweet, and subtly hilarious. One reviewer on IMV said that Drew Barrymore dragged this movie down. I can't disagree more. I thought she was delightful. She has childlike innocence in her voice that puts a believability into the olive character. Not to mention that she co-produces film, so possibly without her involvement, Olive may not have been made. I don't know. Anyhow, if you want a festive movie for the kids and adults alike to enjoy, rent all of the other reindeer. It's sure to amuse and entertain. No mention there of Michael Stipe making this a thing. What a shame. I think I bought um, Scary Godmother, so I'm going to do the same with this. I'm... <sighs> I'm debating because, again, there are so much... When I look at my notes, I'm like, oh, this was great. But I have so few notes of large section of this movie where I do remember just sort of all blending together. I think I would go with a very high rent for this. Because, I mean, if we're talking about a TV special, you're not going to buy this anyways. But I feel like if this is something that I would go out of my way to watch every Christmas, that would be a buy. This would be something that's like, oh, yeah, I'll check it out every once in a while. So I'd go with a, a pretty high rent on this. It is very good for an animated special about all of the other reindeer. Way better than I expected it to be. Agreed. So, what's coming next? I was waiting for you to tell oh, us. Oh, why don't I tell us? Uh, well, the original plan was we were going to have a full month of Christmas movies that Ben and I are covering, and a full month of Christmas TV specials that Rossi and I are covering. Uh, but that's way too much work. So, we're doing three weeks of Christmas, which you are listening to the beginning of. Uh, you're going to get on Tuesdays slash Wednesdays uh, the first episode, and then on Thursdays slash Fridays the second episode. So up next of all Christmas stuff we're covering, Ben and I are going to be talking about the 2000 Jim Carrey version of The Grinch, uh, which will be very exciting. And uh, then next week at this time, Rossi and I and Ben are going to be talking about a brand new holiday special, uh, let's hope that it is a sequel with B. Arthur somehow incorporated into it, because it is a sequel to the only Star Wars content to ever star B. Arthur, the Star Wars Holiday Special, the Lego Star Wars Holiday Special. Uh, that's the thing to get really excited about. And a couple more Christmas movies after that. But uh, uh, Grinch, that'll be me and Ben in a few days. But Rossi, you were with us, uh, with me and Ben, for the Star Wars Holiday Special. At all excited about the Lego one? I, I forgot, to be honest. So that shows how excited. I mean, the, the Star Wars Holiday Special, it is so bad, but it is amusingly bad. I have not watched the I've been waiting to watch the Lego Holiday Special uh, until we would cover it so it would be fresh. But what I've heard, I'm kind of surprised about because the Lego, all Lego specials I think are great. Like the Lego video games, most video games I play are the Lego games like Lego Star Wars, Lego Pirates of the Caribbean, 
Lego DC superheroes, villains, whatever. Yeah, like they made Lego Jurassic Park series recently that was on Netflix. I like that. But I've heard such bad things about the Lego Holiday Special, and I don't know, maybe they went out of their way to make something bad, but the best things I have heard is saying it is slightly better than the actual Star Wars Holiday Special. So I'm kind of excited to see this. I'm almost more excited now knowing that it could potentially be really bad. Cool. I'm with you. Are we good to go? We're good to go. All right. My name is Rossi, and when I'm not podcasting, I'll be doing a little bit of loan sharking. And my name is Colin, the other podcaster. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I just got it. Thanks for downloading this episode from the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as find out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at theoznetwork.net. Thanks once again for listening, and we'll speak to you next time.